I always think it's like kind of cheesy when someone starts out with like a like a big intro, like "Hi, welcome to Makerspace. My name's Chris Fleming." <laughs> so, it works. I guess I mean, it works. Yeah. Yeah. New people on the episode. Well, thank you for having me here. Chris. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Um. So, what you got to ask me? Should I get started? Or? <laughs> <laughs> you can get started whatever you want. So, um, you know, if you want to get go on the traditional way, uh, you can just introduce yourself. Yeah. Um. My name is Angela Krieg. I am living not too far from Chris here in Boston, where he's in Cambridge. I'm in Somerville. Um, I've been in Boston since about September, and um, I am a graphic recorder and an illustrator. Um, so I, I know when you first told me that you did graphic recording, I had no idea what that is. Mind just explaining that? Yeah, no problem. So my big passion is visual communication. You know, a picture does a thousand words. But the way that graphic recording is really used is... It's used within meetings and events, and instead of people taking notes that they never read again, people are more interested by visuals, and they can use those visuals as, like, anchors for memory. And so then you, basically, when you leave a meeting, you'll have these visual notes, so we'll take those talking points and turn them into action points by having them on, like, something tangible for people to look at. And they can also be just a nice image sometimes, but their real use is to take it and to be able to use later by the team that was there. So, that's cool yeah, yeah I, I love that you found this niche for yourself where dare i say it the corporate world tends to look down on artists a little bit say it's you know as a frivolous thing where yeah it could be nice to have but we can get by with what we have now you don't really need it uh, i love that you found this way to use art in a way that you know, stands for itself and is effective and shown to be useful in a business setting yeah i mean it's so cool to work with corporate in many ways and like i never saw myself working with corporate i thought i'd only be working with nonprofits. but one of the things that i figured out is corporate is there's a lot of things that are very archaic and a lot of big companies still um like for example oh we had this event read this 30 page paper afterwards nobody reads the paper Nobody no, reads the no, paper. No, no, of course not. Not at all. And when working with a particular client, I was working with another facilitator as well, a facilitator, someone who facilitates conversations at big events. So what she said, talked about was, why is it that we change the way that we absorb information at work from when we do in our daily lives? In our daily lives, we you know, know the thing, like three to seven second attention span and such. So why is it at work that it's not designed for that knowledge with our intention span. You can make a lot more impactful communication just by using visuals and keeping in mind people only have three seconds and that's the same with your employees. Yeah. So really taking that and just like pushing that is really kind of a way I hope that communication is going. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point about the work life versus personal life. How do you kind of speak to catering to people as a, as a person rather than just a corporate entity or you know a worker drone basically yeah um i think it's gotten a lot easier and with certain like kind of in the last five years even people are more willing to think about people as humans rather than just corporate bees especially you know during covid mental health has become a lot more important Absolutely. since 2020 people are like wow you have mental health issues so do i <laughs> and so they're more willing to work with their employees in a different way because the need just really got a lot larger the way to talk to them is kind of talk to them in their own language, though. Not everybody is kind of ready. <laughs> Not everybody is ready for the art to come in, but really kind of sometimes just talking in their language is a great way. And then just slowly introducing those human elements because people like, you know, people want to laugh. They don't want it to be just a boring meeting. And if there's a way to really ignite people and like 
get them rejuvenated by these visuals and just energized energized not rejuvenated I find that that's really a good way to get people to really kind of buy into it and you know it's not perfect for everybody I'm actually dating a guy where graphic recording it it doesn't make sense to him it's just not his thing he's also has a very good memory and has a very kind of like I guess left brain mindset and just very mathematical but that's just some people, and a lot of people are a lot more visual than that, and have bad memories, like me. And me too. You gotta play to, <laughs> you gotta play to your strong suits. You know, some people just have these skills that they can naturally do these things really well. But some other people, myself included, had, you have the memory of a goldfish, and I can't remember most of the stuff that I absolutely need to. Yeah. So I'm sure that if I use a service kind of like yours, I would probably need that, and probably be helpful for a variety of of you know learners. It's more inclusive in a way that people adapt and change their environment i really like that yeah how would you say that you adapt to different company cultures you know if someone is a little bit more humorous some people are more serious how do you gauge that that's a really good question a lot of it is really just going with the flow and for people who are more humorous i personally i will say it's easier to work with them usually because there's a certain amount of give and take and it's easier to communicate Um, I find people that are a bit more uptight, sometimes the communication can fall apart a bit because they don't, a lot of times that doesn't translate well into the art world, if that makes sense. But the way it kind of goes is make sure you really know what you're talking about, really you know what you're doing. When I go into a graphic recording, I used to just go in and say, yeah, I'll draw and, you know, I'll kind of get an idea of what's going on. Through experiences, I've found that that's not a good way to go about things um, because, I want to capture the synergy of a conversation. It isn't just drawing a pretty picture. It is, I am grabbing valuable information. I'm not just like, here is a picture of Chris, and he said, I like waffles. Like, that doesn't make sense if you're talking about... I mean, I about, do like waffles, yes. but not the point. I mean, waffles, everybody likes waffles, or should. <laughs> but it can't just be about that. You know, you can add funny quotes in and all this stuff, but it's that's not the synergy of the conversation. And to be able to capture that synergy, you have to have context. By context, you get to know who your client is a bit more. If they are a bit more uptight, you know, that means that that not only will that translate into your visual, you know, it won't be as playful as, you know, I'll say joyous because I like to add a lot of joy into the work. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, you know, they're they're not looking for joyous. They're looking for something serious, especially if it's like a nonprofit that's dealing with like, let's just say it's dealing with child soldiers and they're really trying to dive into that conversation. You know, you want to do something that's much more serious and probably the people talking about that are a bit more solemn, at least on that subject. And um, you kind of have to mold a little bit. It's really about learning your communication skills, which is everybody communicates differently and not everybody's going to be good at it either. And to give people that forgiveness makes people more comfortable to be who they are. And that's where the human starts coming in. And speaking to the humanity of this, I I love that art as this medium to elicit emotion, whether it is a joyous emotion or if it's a more solemn one, use that to really tug at your heartstrings and convey the the message. I really like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's impact impact for Um, sure i went to school for illustration and you know my first thoughts was i was going to graduate and hopefully work at you know pixar or disney or something and um one thing that always bothered me as an artist is and a bit of an introvert is i really never liked going to protests or marches or anything because they made me very uncomfortable i just felt very claustrophobic and i felt like it gave me made me feel like a bad person you know i I have a lot of things I'm very passionate about, but it's like, well, I marches make me incredibly uncomfortable, and I'm like, is there another way I can help? And, you know, working for Disney is, you know, 
Disney's cool and all that. But um, I don't know if it's really making a huge impact on the world besides, you know, maybe changing some cultural norms. But I'm just one cog, I'm just Mm -hmm. a cog in a big system. Um, By doing things like graphic recording, I find that I feel like I'm able to make a big impact. And that's sometimes even being in the room with corporate, with these corporate leaders and just making these little switches and kind of just introducing things or maybe I'm there in very important conversations when I do volunteer work I do it you know maybe it's um, gender rights or um, I'm really passionate about mental health so it's like I'll be much more willing to do something volunteer to do with mental health because just simply I think I think the work can really add to the conversation right so So I think it's super cool that you can kind of visually freestyle with these conversations. Do you record these while the conversations are going on or do you record it you know, with a, with a device and then look back on it later? How do you, what's your process for this? Um, it depends. It depends on what the client really wants, but traditionally it's done live. Oh, wow. Um, and um, given the digital era of COVID where things are just really starting to come live again, like on a regular basis Within the last, I don't know, six months, maybe a year, maybe a year. Some people have been doing it for a year, not me. Um, (laughs) I haven't really been doing live work. I've been doing a lot of, uh, what I mean by that is being in the room. I've been um, on video for the most part. And, you know, by drawing on my iPad, I'm able to project. And so people are able to see it being drawn in real time. But it is a different experience. It's virtual facilitation usually. Have you seen that people have really taken to that en- level of engagement, or is it just kind of a thing that it's, it's cool, but they don't really care about? Uh, depends on the audience, depends on the facilitator. Um, I think that sometimes, even in the room, people will sometimes be shoved into the corner of the room because the facilitator didn't hire them, but somebody thought it was like, oh, this is a fun piece of entertainment, but, but it's distracting, so we'll put them in the corner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that isn't as effective um, where other people are like, we're not going to have a slide deck. We are going to have um, this graphic recorder visualize as we're speaking. And that can be really effective because you're working a lot with the facilitator and people are able to, you know, focus on the words that people are saying, but also watch this visual as their words come to life. Interesting. Yeah. If I find this, I, I, I know I keep saying this is interesting, but this is very like, this is such a strange, it's unusual strange. topic for me because it's a performance piece in a way when you demonstrate it like you have that also results in a tangible object that can be actionable and has you know an actual a use in a company. That's it's just mind blowing to me that you can like do something with this with what most people tend to consider as a flat. I wouldn't say dead, but a a solid thing like graphic design where it, you know you you set it up and it runs itself this is you know very involved mm-hmm. it's very interactive um and when you mentioned performance it what it brings up for me is i have been hired before that i didn't realize until i got there that i was hired for the entertainment for a event and personally that's not what i'm i'm about i think you know it's you know um i've heard graphic recorders say hey if they pay me it's fine you know it's like you pay me we good and so I, more of a service than an event yeah, it's it's a, it's a service and it's supposed to have a meaning behind it and that's one reason why I I've gotten um away from just showing up and drawing like because um it's just like no, I want to talk about the value here and you know, I do feel like you know, I want to support my own community by not turning it into a as much of an event. I want or entertainment. I want it to be of something of value and to support my kind of fellow practitioners. 
um, I try to kind of hold those standards for my and cl- with my clients. At the same time, if they pay me, you know, there's only how much of my ego can I hold on to. You know, they want me for their own reasons, and I want to support their reasons. And that's always the the conflict with corporate paid for art, where it's not entirely self expression; it's more used for other people. Like you might be the one doing the expressing, but at the end of the day, it's not your baby. It's, it's they get to keep it at the end. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind that personally. That's why I went for illustration versus fine art. I found I didn't want to just work in a room by myself. I I like being social. I like being able to see people. Um, You know, if I was stuck in white walls um, all the time, I don't think that my creativity would like flourish. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I I, as one person am only so interesting enough to, you know, have enough expression to make art with. I got to pull from something else out there in the rest of the world. Yes, yes, exactly. And um, collaborating with people, you know, you know, two eyes are better than one kind of that saying just the idea that people are going to bring more ideas into the room they're going to see things that you don't see and you know it becomes this beautiful collaboration and more interesting than ever have you ever done a live collaboration with another visual recorder oh great um a little bit um like a not- ba- battle of the band style <laughs> head-to-head <laughs> visual recording um people actually there is actually um a, a YouTube that does that um, where it's um, battle, drawing battles but um, that's not graphic recording specifically but it's really cool to watch if anybody wants Is to. that like a draw fee or something like that? Um, probably that's what it's called but it's like basically draw a theme and two artists will draw and try to like they draw from the outside of a page to the inside of a page and then you know it's this huge piece of foam core and so as it gets closer um, you know they're like somebody will draw um, you know a bazooka and then somebody will draw the foot of a monkey like pushing the bazooka um bazooka projectile out of the way and you know it's and that's a really fun kind of like live art to see but that's a that's a total tangent um i've drawn with graphic recorders a little bit before for me the main experience i had um was 2020 right before covid really hit where um it was the first time i'd shadowed somebody and um at the end of the i think it was an eight hour conference wait I got there at nine. It finished at like four or five. So, you know, give or take, he was drawing all day and it was really cool to be there and to see, you know, this person do this work. Um, And it was on a serious subject and it wasn't just all fun and games. And, you know, at the end he just was like, Hey, do you want to draw with me? And I'm like, I mean, I can't turn down this opportunity. So might as well, right? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing, but I got up there and, um, we, we had all these postcards from the participants, um, and these postcards, you know, had their, like, experiences on it and such. And we were visualizing the experience and writing down all their quotes into this big word cloud. And so, yeah, I've worked with them a little bit before. I've gotten pretty spoiled working in COVID because I've been able to just kind of sit at my computer and so, do the work. Uh, you have complete yeah. control over the over Yeah, the and I can do five hours afterwards if I want to and such. And it's something I'm trying to break out of a lot more for... January 2022 I started doing a graphic recording a day due to kind of like my some roller coasters I'll say in February I haven't finished the 30 days of graphic recording yet but um, every chance I kind of have a free day which are getting less and less I'm kind of making sure I can like do a graphic recording post on LinkedIn and such and that's just to just it's just practice really right. and like oh this is a 30 minute talk I want to finish it in 45 minute for a 20 minute talk at one point I took three hours with it and it's just oh, wow. like, it's like, oh, well, you know, this is great for me learning, but for actual, um, like, in the moment, this is, you know, I'm learning bad habits. So how long have you been doing visual recording? 
graphic record I discovered in 2019 November so um but I had my first gig in February 2022 yeah fe- February 2020 so, so you're, you're a couple of years in now yeah so would you say you've gotten more refined faster as you've built up these drawing muscles how has your experience improved since the biggest thing that I I really just worked on and it's going to be you know a continuous battle I'll say because sometimes it feels like a battle uphill, like you're battling against this blank page and you're like, how can I fill this up? For me, the biggest thing that I think I've improved on is layout. Um, because <laughs> drawing a conversation where you don't really, you know where it's going, but you don't know how it's going to unfold and having to fill a piece of paper, um, it's very easy to take down too much information. And then you're at the end of your page and you're like, oh no, like there's still another half an hour of this conversation. And I think in the beginning I was a lot more... I would fill up the page too quickly and now I'm kind of like okay I know where the beginning and the ending point is and um, I need to keep track of the conversation and I need to know where all of this stuff goes so I think that's a big improvement also learning to listen more and um, figuring out like what those key points are that's something that's come with time it's always a continuing and improving process the big thing for me right now I've been I can't stop thinking about is my lettering I need my lettering to get better as someone who I, I draw for a living and I still can't do lettering, I know, I've never, I, do I can't too. write my own name. I, my parents said I should be a doctor because I can't, you know, my handwriting is so bad, but I ended up being an artist. So sorry, mom and dad. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm left handed and I like, cal- I love learning calligraphy. So my life hates me. <laughs> That's awful. And I'm oh. dyslexic. So dyslexic, left handed, and enjoyed calligraphy, but my handwriting's still awful. Here we are. You know, against all odds, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the odds are still hitting me, but <laughs> we're still going. Hey, you learn to make, too. And you roll with the punches. So, on rolling with the punches, were you planning on going into something in this field, or was this something that just kind of happened to you that you, you know, took advantage of and, you know, made the best of? Um, definitely the second. Um, so, again, when I left college in 2019, I wanted to do Disney and such, um, just to kind of give my my the last few years in a nutshell is that like the you know mm-hmm. the major league dream goal that of every was, graphic designer oh for uh, so for illustration i was just like oh i love characters i'm um my so visual communication is a big passion um and that's a lot of times how i'll phrase it to corporate but may um if i wanted to say it i would guess with like more raw terms my big passion is storytelling um, so this is perfect for you oh it's so good but I moved to Brooklyn because of a boy, um, and uh, it was good because I needed a job, and where I grew up, there was no jobs. You know, I was working on an organic farm, and it's like, yeah, that's cool, but, you know, it doesn't really pay anything. I have to live at home to be able to pay my gas, you know? And so I decided to move to Brooklyn, and um, when I was there, I started doing urban sketching a lot. You know what urban sketching is, uh, right? Could you just explain it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So urban sketching is really, um, the emphasis is on the sketching. It's like drawing the world around you. Um, I draw on trains all the time where I'm always drawing like people's profiles. I love drawing love shoes. Doing that. I've been really? getting into shoes. So um, for any urban sketchy, sketchers out there that like drawing on the train, people will notice if you look at them. Like it's yeah, so I've annoying. A, I've caught a lot of people like, is he drawing me? Is he looking at me? Yeah, and they really awkward. dislike it. Yeah. That's a great like hack though, shoes, because no one, you already look at shoes anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, they say that you can tell a lot about a person by what shoes they wear. I just, I think I wear Keens. So what does that say about me? Utilitarian, comfortable. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. hiking, maybe. 
you've seen my Meryl. my pile of shoes I have at the front door. <laughs> it's so there's, so impressive. It's, <laughs> there's so more in the closet. Shoes. Oh my oh. god, there's more in the closet. There's even more. Yeah, I have a problem. Well, they're all oh. thrifted, so it's well, not that bad. Uh, yeah. Oh, I got a pair of um, synthetic leather um, Converse the other day. Nice. Yeah, for twenty dollars, and I was like, oh yes, thrifted. Um, and they the bottoms were basically brand new. Oh, that's like, hard to find because usually Converse's wear right through. Yeah, um, I drag my feet, so I can drag. I can wear Converse down easily in a month. So, I wear them very rarely because I don't <laughs> want them to die, and I want them to look good when I go out and not destroy my feet. I've rubbed them down, like the rubber, one hundred percent down until I have a hole in the back before. Oh wow! So bad, bad feet here. Yeah, you wear them till you wear them out. I mean, yeah. it just shows that you love them. So yeah, but. But back to drawing shoes. <laughs> a month. It's a month, and then it's, I have to get a new one. Well, luckily, they aren't too expensive. Yeah, but still. New pair a month. Eh. That, that can add up, yeah. Yeah, that adds up fast. Um, my no, new thing is docs. Ooh, yeah. The yeah. indestructible go-to for all artists, photographers, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> creators alike. Yeah, yeah. Um, stomp on... I don't know, stomp on the patriarchy, I guess. Right, right, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're ass-kicking boots for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. If I could get a, a sponsorship for Makerspace that um, the, the listeners would like, it would probably be Docs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I want a new pair right now. But anyways, back to shoes and drawing them. Um, one reason why shoes are great to draw is because... Um, they're difficult. They, they're all, Yeah, I mean, you have shoes. You've obviously drawn shoes before. Have You're you an seen my Capstone project? I exclusively yeah. drew shoes for an entire year. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're pains. Um, they kind of remind me of cars. They're just like these weird organic man-made shapes with all these strange crevices. Yeah, it, they're just really freaking annoying to draw, but they're also really good to draw. And um, I feel like they're teaching me a lot about just like the way I like to draw and how I see and how I'm trying to manipulate what I see into what I like to draw. But anyways, let's go back about why I got into graphic recording. I was doing urban sketching, which got me interested in drawing my environment, and I had to do it fast. I'd have 30 seconds to draw this person sleeping, because then they woke up. Because I was looking at them, and that's why they wake up. That's the only reason. <laughs> um, they can sense it. Oh my god, no, people can totally sense you looking at them. Like, I've stared at people, the back of people's head, and they know I'm looking at them. It's awful. And so I got really into urban sketching there. I was working kind of a job, you know, in Manhattan, living in Brooklyn. And um, I reached out to an RIT alumni, a... And um, she had really nice hand lettering. So back to lettering. Um, so you can see how many years I've wanted to improve my lettering. Sometimes reaching out to random RIT alumni can end up in really good things. Oh, my God. That's exactly where I am now. And um, On my couch, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Valid. Yep, yep. Um, so basically what happened was I said, hey, you have nice hand lettering. And she's like, no, no, no. I do something called graphic recording. Her name is Sarah Spencer. She, um, She's fantastic anyone check her out she's in arizona and she was like graphic recording i'm like i don't i don't care just tell me about your lettering like you know it was just a dummy give me the secret sauce yeah and she's like come on and she's like no 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 we're talking about graphic recording i'm like okay i should listen to her and i'm still grateful that she had the generosity towards me for me not going hey what screw this kid like let me just walk away they're obviously not interested in what i have to offer well when you're really passionate in something you want to share it with other people yeah yeah exactly like if someone's like oh that's nice but tell me about this i'm gonna be like go away so i'm very grateful because that literally this single conversation I had with her after has changed the course of my life the way I describe graphic recording is it felt like somebody said we need Angela to have a like 20 years before I was born someone said we need Angela to have a career 
So we are going to design this entire industry called graphic recording so she can have a job afterwards. And then when I discovered it, I'm like, oh, I'm there. And it was amazing. And she got me in contact with some of the best people in America in the industry. And um, from there, that was January where I did the shadowing that I talked about. And then I got my first few gigs, which um, weren't paid great, but they were paid so much better than I had been up to that point with my minimum wage jobs. And then COVID hit. And, um, I, it, you know, that put me through the ringer in certain ways, but, um, it kind of, that's how I got into graphic recording from, for webinars and such, because everybody was trying to do webinars in the beginning, um, you know, with Zoom videos and, um, just like low editing quality. And I was doing those and people really enjoyed doing those. And I did that for a mental health company for a bit in Brooklyn. And here I am now, and it's been a roller coaster ever since. So looking back, if you hadn't done that, what would you probably be doing? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, I really think that it would have been that easy to miss it with that single conversation. So that's a good question. I might have gone back to college to learn more about how to be an animator. I think that would have, could have been a possible... So like um, Illustration Plus. Illustration Plus. Um. Oh, man. Um. I think I might have become more of a graphic designer. That's also a thing. And that's something I'm actually trying to learn more of right now is like, what is it? Like, I'm realizing graphic design and illustration have hardly any overlap in many ways, um, which is really overwhelming. I was like, oh, I can do this. This is easy. <laughs> nope. Nope. This stuff takes four years to learn in college for a reason. And it's like, OK, well, here we are. Um, so I think I would have leaned more into that. I think I would have kind of been following a few avenues that I wouldn't have enjoyed as much. Like, I've always loved animation and I still love animation, but um like for video games and things of that sort. But I know, you know, the video game industry has a lot of toxic qualities about it. I think I might have followed that and might not have been happy with where I ended up. And also I just found, I never found drawing, like make character design and all of that. It never came very naturally to me. Um, and graphic recording comes naturally to me. It feels right. That's the only way to describe it. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm so happy for you that you could find this thing that just works perfectly for you and your unique, works. yeah, your unique creativity and how your mind works. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And I, I'm totally for it, you know, to keep food on the table, you know, do something else and then do your fine art at home. And I used to be really against that. I was just like, no, you must make money off your art. You must do gallery work and all this stuff. And as somebody who's put their own show together, a very I did a do-it-your-own-yourself show, which, you know, didn't really pay my bills, but I was really happy I did it. I'm kind of stew of that opinion where it's like, you know, it's okay. Like, I'm, I want to do things that are creative and um, to be able to do things that are creative that might not be, you know, I'm not selling my $3,000 paintings all the time. Like, that's fine because I can still go home and do that. And my love of doing that is never going to go away. Right. Can you, do you have any advice for someone who's trying to find their new gig, their new interest in, in art, experimentation, something like that? Yeah, um, budget for it is a big <laughs> thing. Um, I'm in a bit of that um, right now where I didn't budget for 2022 as much as I thought I did, which is meaning feast or famine. I'm pretty open about that at this point. I used to be very embarrassed about it like a month ago, and now I'm like, oh, it's the way that life is, um, where it's like I... I budgeted for about six months at a point and then I didn't network where I was supposed to. It put me into a bit of a famine. So when I say budget, it means, you know, I don't think the feast or famine is always a great construct to follow. But, you know, every time you get a paycheck, don't go spend it all. 
you know that's a big thing um and it's like okay you know you're always going to have to be looking ahead and such so when you're looking for your next gig that might mean keeping your part-time job for a little bit longer and saving up for those three to six months you want to and then really being able to go for it through it go for it because networking um it's a bad word for a lot of people first of all i chris and i can both relate that networking can be like making friends you know yeah, and it's, you know, it, it, it keeps you out of your room and being sad in your room saying, I have no friends. It, it gives you an excuse to, like, meet people and get rejuvenated through being social. Why do you think I started this podcast? Hey, <laughs> I didn't want to hey. talk to creatives, people who do stuff like I do or stuff that I don't, you know, that's nowhere near what I do. I want to expand my horizons and, you know, share that with the rest of the world through a podcast. So yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening if you made it this far. Yeah. <laughs> Um, thank you for getting this far. This has been fun so far as well. Thank you, Chris, again. Yeah, happy to um, be here. The other piece of advice I give is, um, again, back to networking, is find a mentor. I think that, Chris, you and I can agree that finding a mentor isn't as easy as going and saying, can you be my mentor? And then it's, you know, you're a perfect fit and such. Yeah, ever since Mentors R Us closed down, it's been really tough. I actually... <laughs> oh my God! Why didn't my my? Uh, don't take that off. Take that off. Recording. No, I'm the editor. I can keep whatever I want in. So. God damn! God, I take my. Oh no no. Anyways, I can't believe my. Brain thank you. Just went. Thank you for still listening. If you're still listening after that. So. Um. But anyways, finding a mentor can be difficult. Um. And the really the way to do it is you just need to reach out and talk to people. Um. People who are more successful in their career than you are at any point, they're willing to help because they've been in your shoes you know, wherever you are, you might be dealing with, um, you know, maybe you're just right out of college or maybe you didn't go to college and you're like, I have no connections. I have nothing going for me besides like, I love to create and that's, and I have a lot to grow and I want to grow. And you have that passion. People want to help you because, um, again, they've been in that space. And once you start meeting people, you realize that, you know, the competition is going to be high wherever you go. There's room for everybody. And those mentors are the place to say, yes, here, let me show you where this room is. You know, they kind of opened those doors that you thought were locked. And so, yeah, that's a big piece of advice for me is just find mentors and also just try to budget your time and, you know, just take of your, take care of your finances. Like I took care of my finances, but, um, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable at points and you got to be okay with that uncertainty and discomfort and you got to do what you got to do and not be too prideful. Because, you know, I think we all know a lot of people that are very prideful or people get obsessed with the idea of being a starving artist and they won't do anything that isn't I was exactly. just about to ask, how do you comment on the classic <sighs> starving artist cliche? Um, I think that it's, uh, it's just romanticized. I've met people who are proud to be starving artists that are like, oh, sometimes you will be broke. And I kind of sound like I'm saying that now I take a step back. That's just the nature of freelancing, though. Yeah, it goes up and down. Um, the A big difference that has been described to me is the difference between viewing yourself as poor versus viewing yourself as broke. Broke is temporary, poor is permanent. Um, with starving, the starving artist mentality, a lot of times it can go into more of the poor mentality. Oh, the quality of my art cannot suffer because of taking on work that I is not passionate about. It's like, you can do that work that you're passionate about anytime you want. And um, by turning, you know, saying, well, I won't do that, you know, I can't do that, or I'm a starving artist and I'm proud of it because nobody understands me. It's like, yeah, but I, you know, you're... If no one understands it, they probably don't want it. <laughs> yeah, they might not want it, and, you know, if that's your thing, that's your thing, but, like, you know, like, you've got to keep food on your table. Right. got to walk the fine line between art and design, where art is self-expression, it's your unique personal thing, where design is 
curating someone else's experience that they want. Yeah, and I, th- I mean, I think those lines can be really, um, you know, I think those lines are a lot more blurred than people make it out to be. So, um, kind of in a nutshell, the thing I think about starving artist is no, no, don't, don't, you know, it's like do what you can to not be that because, believe me, being stressed isn't going to make you more creative. You know? Nope. No, no, like that. I thrive under pressure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pressure is great. Like, if I have a forty-eight hour deadline, yeah, I'll get that thing done. But if it's like, well, I can't keep food on my table. You're in survival mode. You're not in creative mode. Exactly. Yeah, the hierarchy of needs thing kind of takes precedence here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like keeping a roof over your head, keeping your stomach full, and such. If you can work with an empty stomach because you haven't eaten in three days, like. Strange method it's, acting, but that's up to you. Yeah, that's up to you, and it's also kind of like that is not something I've had to experience, so I don't know how people can work under that because I haven't been in that situation, but um, I couldn't see myself doing anything besides thinking about my next meal at that point, and I'm not going to be creative, and then I'm not working on the stuff that I want to work on and my own self-expression, and then what do you got? What do you have? Nothing. So uh, speaking of making an ideal situation for your creativity – what does your studio look like? Is it your couch? Is it, you know, uh, an event? What does your workspace look like usually? Um, I like having a drafting desk. That's my big thing. Drafting desk, light, yep, goes up and down. It tilts. Um, I'm one of the, um, I have a, a table easel, so an easel that has paints in it that you can, like, lift up. Ooh, and I fancy. Can, yeah, I can work on uh, – that lets me, if I want to, work on the floor, on the couch. It's easy, like a little – it's like a little wooden suitcase that has the front that you can use. Um, if I get a bigger space, my um, I want to get myself a real easel, um, so I can you know work standing up or sitting down. It kind of looks like a computer space, but with a drafting desk instead a lot of the times, and it's always has a pile of stuff on it. Um, my bed has turned into a side table half the time and I just move the stuff off my bed onto my chair and in the morning I take all the stuff off my chair and put it on the bed and I just go back and <laughs> forth all day long. Uh, the classic dichotomy of man. <laughs> oh, God, it's so annoying. But um, having, like, I, w- I want more table space. I love Chris's table space. I want that much table space so much. Um, you probably want more. I, I always want more, yeah. no matter what, yeah. no matter what we're working on. I could, I would love a, a drafting table oh. kind of thing oh, or yeah. a cutting table for making clothes and stuff. Oh, oh that would be that so, so much, nice. But beggars, choosers, and the like. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you ever want one um, for the audience, I got the one from Michael's. It's a pretty simple one, but it it's actually very nice. Michael's has a very nice drafting table. There you go. Yeah. Plug in. Yeah, plug um, for Michael's. Give me a sponsorship <laughs> like now, Like they guys. need it. Yeah. Yeah, sponsor yeah. us. Actually, if you're, if you're listening, Michael's, uh, Mr. Michael, could you, or Ms. Joanne, uh, any of the craft people, could you <laughs> yeah, yeah, please sponsor me? Please, please. <laughs> make her space, please. Anyways. Uh <laughs> Excuse me, I'm I'm going to tangent. <laughs> going back from uh, from outright begging for sponsorship. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's take a few steps back. <laughs> Way back. Um, but that's how I am here today, though, with graphic recording. <laughs> well, yeah. And I do still illustrate. I do continue to build my illustration career and such. And as I do that, I'm figuring out what is my style of illustration. And that's been... That's an interesting thing, and I don't, I'm not the kind of person that found their style when they were 12 years old. I'm still developing it, and um, other yeah. people tell me I have a style, but I keep yep. trying. Five things. words. Describe your style. Um, sincere? Shape-based? One or two words. Let's do, okay, we'll call it. Let's compound words. Shape-based. Um, color pop? 
Ooh. Vibrant. I like it. Uh, well, you know, that one color. Like, I just did a portrait all in just bright red. Flat? What's one more? Um, you've seen, you've kind of seen my yeah. work. I don't know. Um, flowy? Okay. People say my I'd work's say flowy. Yeah, pretty flowy. Yeah. It's very approachable. Yeah, yeah. Approachable is a great word. Um, people say my work has a very sincere look to it, and I'm like, okay, that approachable is a great word yeah, for it. it. I think that carries with it, like, genuine and sincere connotations. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I mentioned at one point I did an art show. So my 2021 kind of project was is I rented a space and said I'm going to do an art show in this space in, like, nine months. Let me make art from scratch because I didn't have any personal work at that point because I was just doing work for clients, and so much of that is NDA anyways. But... Um, the way that that came around with um, somebody called my work very sincere in the way where I decided to do a comic page a week about what was it like for an artist to set up their own art show. So each week it was going basically like, this is great. My life is awful. This is great. I need coffee. Like, it is just that reflected that in the comic too? Oh, that's what the comic was about. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's called A Study in Ink. Do you have any copies of that? Oh, yeah. Can I see it? Not with me. Well, not not now, but <laughs> could you show it to me? Yeah, uh, yeah. Or actually, um, the best thing would be to uh, send it to me so I can plug it for the yeah, socials. Yeah, yeah, So I everybody else can website, see it too. So I can send it out. Um, I want to I wanna see if I can get... It's a zine, and I want to see if I can get it plugged into some of the local stores. Um, there's one near Bow Market here mm-hmm. in Cambridge. Is Bow Market in Cambridge Bow or Market's Somerville? in Somerville. Okay, it's in Somerville? Okay. Well, there's a place in Somerville that um, there's a comic store right near there. It's called like the Hub or something, and they have mm-hmm. local artists. And I'm like, dang, I need to get them in there. Yeah, that'd so. be a great spot. Yeah, yeah. And I probably should get them also in uh, at RIT at the shop store as well. Yeah, that'd be an awesome place to go. Yeah. Uh, do you work with any other local places to kind of plug your art? Um, I plug it mostly at RIT. Um, they have Shop One, and I used to work there. And now I'm um, I'm going to be doing a bit of work for MIT's museum store. Oh, cool. Up. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's more kind of like non-art related stuff. Keeping food on the table sometimes. Sometimes it's you doing non-art work, and you kind of got to deal with your pride issues like I have uh, but um when I'm there it has a lot of similar vibes to me and it's kind of like okay so let's see if I can plug this like how can I make this museum store how can I make myself part of this culture and um through that that's networking and Bow Market I've talked to them a bit about getting my art into that area I'm really just having those products to sell <laughs> you know you know if you want to sell work make the work and then try to pitch it and you might not be able to so make your own website and then you got to figure out the marketing part of things, but you know, one step at a time. So, as a freelancer, what's your take on putting yourself out there and marketing yourself? Um, still figuring it out. Um, that's, I think, I've had a very humbling where I thought I was very good at it, and I've recently realized I'm like, wow, I have a lot to grow. And for me, the biggest way I've done it is through word of mouth. And the way I've done word of mouth is by building my network and building the people I know and the people in my industry of who I know. Um, for pushing yourself out there more. I wish I had a bit more advice. Um, kind of find where where are your clients? Figure out where they are. That's a big part of it. So I work in a lot of corporate. I work with a lot of um, facilitators. They're not on Instagram. Um, Instagram is a lot of artists all trying to sell to each other. And, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it works. You know, I bought things off of Instagram. But, you know, that's not where, where Google's going to be buying something from me. So it's like, well, where do they go? LinkedIn. Yeah. So that's a, you make a good point, though. That is kind of a, an echo chamber of art of sorts. Yeah. But. I like it. But, you know, like, 
you know, I'm going to buy a print for $10. That's not going to keep food on somebody's table. That's just going to be a nice little, oh, hopefully somebody else buys another. Cool. That's two lattes. Oh, two lattes? Oh, my God. Not if you do oat milk like I do. No, that's like a half latte. Oh, my God. Dear God. Maybe an espresso. Maybe a little espresso. Cappuccino. A small cappuccino, which is how they're supposed to be served. I just need a coffee. That's, just make your coffee at home, guys. It's so much cheaper. Another it really thing, is. just make your coffee at home. Don't spend $6 a day like I want to, but I don't. What's your coffee process? French Somebody, press? I used to do French press, but someone gave me a drip, a drip coffee maker, so Ooh. I've been doing that. Um, okay. It was given to me. It was given to me. It was like a kind of my, I got laid off present a few years ago. I got laid off and they sent it to me as a. It's like, here, you're going to need this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she was planning to send it to me and she was just like, oh. I'll, I'll get on it now. I'll get on it. Right, that's I'll a great it. excuse. Yeah. So, totally. um, so that's that. I'm hopefully going to get a coffee grinder s- soon, so I don't have to buy ground coffee, so it doesn't get stale. And also, it's kind of hard to find ground coffee sometimes, which is weird. It's all whole bean. Hmm. Well, I have a Ethiopian um, coffee place I can send you to that she makes the best coffee in Cambridge, oh. without a doubt. Yes, Cini please. Coffee. C i n i. Um, I can send you her Instagram page. Yes, please. That, it's the absolute best. I know <sighs> whenever I find her at a little pop-up shop, I mean, she delivers too, but I, I always try to go get some for her. I need to get some more because I, yeah, I haven't been happy. I've been trying new brands recently and I haven't found any that are quite what I want right now. So, so coffee enthusiast here. Kind of, no, more of a tea enthusiast. There you go. Yeah. yeah teach their own. Tea's great. Tea is also great. I feel like they have, you know, I wouldn't want to have lobster at the same time. I want to have ice cream. So it's the same kind of thing. Like sometimes you want coffee. I have had want them tea. both on my table at the same time, but no, I don't drink them together. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's like drink coffee and then I forget about my coffee and then I get tea and then it's like, oh, oh no, what do we do? <laughs> so speaking of unpleasant uh, events like that, do you think you could ever stop doing art? Let's say that you, someone paid your bills to do any other kind of job. As long as it's not art related and you, they basically pay you to not make art. Could you do it? No. No? No. Um, you know, so um, I'm dating a guy who works in finance and, you know, it's great. I know it, it works. Don't ask how, but it works. And, you know, it's just like something I kind of notice is, you know, um, he's doing something very non-art related, but he, you know, he's getting paid pretty well. You know, I'm not the bread maker right now. Hopefully that changes. It was for a while I was the bread maker, but it changed because then he kept getting promotions. And what I've really noticed is that, you know, it's like what he does is, you know, it's making money. It's keeping food on the table. And, you know, I mean, um, you know, and, you know, he has a lot more extra income than me. But if I was doing that, I'd be so much more unhappy. You know, my quality of life, like that's eight hours a day being a cog in a machine that I do not want to be a part of. And eight hours a day, five days a week, that's a lot of your life going away. And that's why I didn't go for a finance degree. That's why I didn't go to be a, you know, I don't know, maybe psychology to become a psychiatrist later. I would have, I would have been very deeply unhappy and I'm not willing to do that to myself One life. Well, as someone who appreciates your art and loves loves seeing it, uh, I'm very happy that you uh, decided to keep going on the art track. Yeah, and um, there will be bumps. Um, I'm going through a, so to give a little bit of background without going too much into my personal life. Um, I got scammed a few months ago. Where oh, really? Well, it was my own fault. I won't go into detail very much, but I got um, scammed. So my bank account got a big chunk of it taken out, and so it put me into a pretty bad situation. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. 
okay, now I'm okay. And fortunately, I was able to keep paying rent. That's all that really matters. But um, it put me into a situation that I didn't expect to be in. And, um, you know, it's like, well, what do I do now? It's like, well, I need to make money. I'm not going to starve. And I'm not going to go, oh, well, you know, I, I mean, I'm paying half the rent. I'm living with somebody. I'm not going to say, well, how about you pay the rent and I'll just do my own thing and be sad and stressed about money and not make art. And then it's just a downward spiral. It's like, no, get yourself stable. Do what you do have to do to keep yourself okay. And the art will follow and then you can get back to it. You know, if it means that you have to save up for, if you can't do art for a year, you still are going to be living hopefully another 60 years plus, depending on, depending on your age. You know, you got these years ahead of you. So it's like, okay, you have this take a year off it doesn't mean the end of the world it feels like it at the time believe me i know it feels like it at the time but well, creativity is like a muscle if you keep overexerting it it's going to strain something you can't just keep pumping yeah. out this this productivity yeah exactly and sometimes you need to take a break and that's okay well you know? since you have been pretty productive lately what would you like to plug how would you like to what would you like to tell people to, to follow you <laughs> yeah um you can follow me um on instagram linkedin or go to my website those are my three places i'm going to be starting hopefully a newsletter within the next year um but you can find me at a krieg that's k-r-i-e-g studio or my website is also a krieg studio and on linkedin i'm at angela krieg awesome well angie this has been awesome having you on here thank you so much for your advice your insight and this you know crazy world of visual recording am i saying it right this time graphic, graphic, graphic recording. Graphic, I, no, I keep saying it wrong i'm sorry is, i mean graphic recording it's kind of gibberish sounding sometimes so visual well, graphic recording visual scribing sketch noting there's so many terms for it whatever this crazy cool industry is called thank you for telling me about it and telling our listeners about it i appreciate having you here yeah so it was great yeah thank you and thank you for listening to my rants no happy to be here so. <laughs> yeah well, thank, thank you. you guys for listening. This has been Makerspace. Cheers.